Hello and welcome to Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. We're a new church with a desire to bring our hope in Jesus Christ to the people of Helensburgh and beyond and live as a community shaped by the gospel. If you live in Helensburgh or are just passing through, we'd love you to join us sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.15 at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. But now, here's the latest sermon from Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. You can find the Bible references and more information in the episode notes. Turn now to the Bible and uh, what we do every week is we have a reading from God's word. We believe it is the word of God, that it is that it is truth and it is the truth that everyone needs. And then we have uh, a talk, a sermon uh, from the Bible. So I'm going to read from Genesis 1 and verse 26. And then we'll read some verses from chapter 2 uh, as well of Genesis. So Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We'll go down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his life and uh, to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. 
Well, we've been looking, uh, we started last week, uh, a new series, thinking of the whole story of the Bible from creation all the way to what we call new creation, to the time when Jesus comes back. And what we started to say last week as we looked at creation in general was that the story that the Bible presents of our world, why we're here, what we're here for, is far better, far more compelling, makes far more sense of our world than anything else that others will offer. The Bible is a story. It's a true story. It's things that happened, and it does make sense of this world. And so we started at the beginning. We saw how God created the world. If you weren't here, you can uh, listen to that online, but don't worry, you don't need to have heard that for this to make sense. But basically what we saw is God created it by his own power, and he created a world where we can know him and where we can praise him for creating this world. Uh, and that the implications of that are, are far-reaching for us and actually gives us a reason to care for this world, to care for the whole creation, because it's made by God and he made it good. But the most important thing is we can know the God who stepped into our world in the person of Jesus, who, who wrote himself into the story. But in the background of all that is the fact that we live in this world. We are human beings, men and women, and we're a part of this world. And we skipped over the verses that we read in chapter 1 from verse 26 because uh, we need to take a little more time just to look at humanity, what it means to be human, to be man and woman. Because we are human and we know that this is one of the big questions that, that people wonder, what is it to be human and it can create some debate, some controversy perhaps. And some will say you just look into your own heart, you just trust your feelings and decide what it means to be human. That physical characteristics are irrelevant, it's just how we feel. And that simply being conscious is what makes a human being. Or even more actually, humanity is often just reduced down to, to, to our desires and even to our sexuality, that's what makes us human. And this is the story that society tries to tell us. Or on the other hand, you'll have people who reduce humanity down to simply being an animal. That we are simply a more evolved ape. That is nothing more than atoms and molecules mashed together and you get a human being. But the story of the Bible speaks into these things and it gives a far better, a more holistic view of what it is to be human. And it actually gives meaning to being human, a meaning that, that no other story or philosophy or whatever else can tell. You know, other things can maybe say uh, how things happened, but they can't tell us why, why we're human, why we think the way we do, why we feel the way we do. But this part of the Bible at least can start to give us an idea of that. And the purpose today isn't to have an argument over these things, but simply to present what the Bible says, how God communicates, what this story says and why that matters and what it means for us. It's a big, to it's a big topic, uh, one we can only scratch the surface of this morning uh, if we want to keep it intelligible, uh, at least. But um, we'll, 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 hopefully it'll get us thinking, get us asking these questions, thinking about who we are as humans and what God says about that. So there's just two simple headings to, to, to shape our thinking. First of all, in what way did God create us? 
And then second of all, what does it mean for us? So the first thing is, in what way did God create us? It's a good question. What is it to be human, in other words? A BBC article on being human said this, to be human is to be the centre of our own universe, to experience life in all its colours and all its potential. That's what view seems to be, to be human. You'll get other people who say it's just to have a more developed brain. But do you see the kind of what's going on there? It's saying that you're only human if you're just looking at yourself, if you make yourself the centre of the world, and there's this experience life in all its colours and all its potential. If you're not living the best life ever, then you're not really human. So when you think about what's that, what that is really saying is that you're only human if you're doing things. You're only human if you're, if you're really better than other people. You're only human if you can do certain things. And actually, what it's saying is that, that those who perhaps even have disabilities aren't as human. It's actually a very horrible thing to say that if you're just living to uh, experiencing things. The Bible offers something far better. It tells us that we are made in the image of God, that we matter not because of what we do or anything like that. We matter because God has made each one of us. He said, let us make man in our image. And immediately we're being told there is something special about being a human, about being a person. We are made in the image of God. And as we said to the kids, it doesn't mean that we're physically uh, look like God. It doesn't mean like we're like, that we're like God in every single aspect. We're not all powerful. We're not able to create like he does. We're not infinite. Uh, we're not outside of time. But what it means is that we have personality, that we're people. That's what it is to be made in the image of God. It's many things, but that is a big part of it. We have knowledge. We have feelings. We have a will. We can decide to do things. We have, maybe most, we have morality. We know some things are right. We know some things are wrong. And we have the capacity for personal relationships with each other and even with God. And of course, animals may show some elements of these things, but really, we know this, they can only live by instinct. They don't have morals. They, they live as they've always lived. They don't have the same kind of complex thought, the same personality that we have. Being made in the image of God is, is what makes humanity what it is. It makes us completely unique as a species, capable of love, capable of morality, to know things, to care for others, to show compassion, to, to think beyond ourselves, to think beyond our world even. To, to, to be more than an animal. That's what we're told. That is the, the, the first thing. We are made in the image of God. This is how God created us. We are something more than the animals. And actually, uh, we didn't read it, but in Genesis 2, God forms the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. God breathed life is the, the image we're given. Mankind had something unique given by God. Adam was given it right at the start. God breathed and brought him to life. And, and, and what that's saying is humanity has a soul. That's the way we might describe it. We're not just animals. We're not just driven by instinct, but we are humans created by God. We are made in his image. We are something more, not to be arrogant, but humanity in general is more than animals. We are made in the image 
of God. And many would scoff at this, being made in the image of God. And yet at the same time, I think built into every single one of us is this sense that there really is something more to humanity. That there is something even eternal in us. Ecclesiastes says, eternities in our heart. And we kind of feel that, that you know, everyone lives as if they're going to live forever. Everyone lives as if what we do right now matters. And that's because God created everything and he created us in his image. And what he did when he did that, he made us in, our, in, he made us in his image. And part of that is he gave us dominion over everything. He says we're above the rest of creation. It's not to say we're outside of creation, but we are above it. In one sense, we, of course, are created. And yet God has made us a little above We sang Psalm 8, and he said he made us a little lower than the angels. He's saying there's something a little more about us. We're not just atoms. We are made specially by God to to live on this planet, to enjoy it, to even rule over it. And dominion sounds negative, but what it's saying is God is the one who's given us this, this power. And we'll look at this more in our second point. But that's, this is why God gives Adam the task of naming everything, as we read. He has this power because he's made in God's image. He's more than just an animal. God has made us to enjoy the earth, in other words, to, to make the most of it. But let me, um, I'm going to quote from Spider-Man here of all places. With great power comes great responsibility. God has given us this this responsibility over the earth and all its creatures and other people. We have this power, we have this responsibility that he has given us. The world isn't just our playground to do as we please. He's given us this high calling to have dominion, to have rule. We are a little lower than the angels, but it's still God's creation. We're still part of creation and we respect all around us. Again, we'll see more of this in a wee while but the the third thing the third way that god made us he's made us in his image he's made us with dominion and he's made us male and female that's the other way he's created us and it speaks into our identity and 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 maybe there's nothing more current than that that idea of identity the bible is clear in its description he made us male and female as, as, as simple as that and that's how it's kind of always been um, and they're to be together, as chapter 2 makes clear as well. And this is a very positive thing, actually, that the Bible says this, uh, because it tells us that there is an intrinsic equality between men and women. Chapter 1, verse 27 says, male and female, he created them in his image. Everyone is made in the image of God, both men and women equal in dignity and worth and the bible says that from the beginning of creation that that, that there is that 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 same dignity and worth and that's kind of radical for some societies not ours i don't believe but sometimes in churches we need to remember that as well though he created male and female being equal doesn't mean being indistinguishable if that's a word indistinguishable uh, and it's it's a rabbit hole. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. But the point is important. This is the way God is created. And the obvious example is, of course, childbirth. A, a man can't birth a child. Only a woman can. It's in God's creation. It's, it's clear in nature. A difference between men 
and women. But that doesn't mean in equality. Sometimes we think of these things that equal means exactly the same. But there is this men and women equal, and yet some, in some way different, as, as we know really from life itself. But this is how God, this is how God has created things. He's created us in these ways. We are creatures, yes, but we are so much more. We are physical, but we can say that there is something more to us. We do have a soul. We have a responsibility over creation, and we're made as male and female. We're made distinct. We're made in all these ways. These are the things that it means to be made in the image of God. This is the story the Bible gives, a story that probably actually rings true even uh, in people who, who, who don't believe in God, that these things all happen or all just part of it, that, that, that we are more than the animals and so on. But really what we need to think about is what it means for us. This is our second point, uh, what it means for us. And I, I said there's two points, but you may notice there's three sub points there. And there's at least six sub points here, but bear with me because there could have been so, so many more because really being made in the image of God, it's talking about us and we know ourselves best and we know other humans best. This is something that, that touches every aspect of our lives. This is something that, that we need to, to really reflect on, that God has made us in his image and that means something. Informs how we interact with others, with the world around us, with life in general. And the first thing it means for us is that, that human life is valuable. And that's hopefully an obvious point, but human life is intrinsically and incredibly value, valuable. Not just because of what people can contribute to society, not just because of people's consciousness, not just because of the experiences people are having, like the, the BBC article said. No, people are intrinsically valuable just because we're made in the image of God. Every single one of us is valuable. It can be the old person with dementia in a home, not able to speak, loved by God, valuable to him, made in his image. It is the, the unborn as well, made in God's image, knit together by him, as we're saying to you in Psalm 139. It is the, the, the refugee struggling across the sea, made in the image of God. Every single person is intrinsically valuable in God's eyes because they're made in his image. And we must start with that in our minds. Whenever we're interacting with someone, every single person made in God's image. And that gives them dignity. It gives people value. It gives every single one of us that value. That's what it means to be made in the image of God and in all its aspects. We should be people who promote and fight for human life, for human beings. Everyone is valuable, no matter how sick or whatever else, valuable to God, made in his image. That's the first thing it means for us. And again, all these things, we could do a whole series of sermons on each of them. So this is just, again, to get you thinking. The second thing is, is work. And we like to complain about work whether it's long hours, unappreciative bosses, difficult people, there's always problems, isn't there? And yet, at the same time, for most of us, we hate it when we can't work, when we're not able to work, we get bored, we get fed up. Uh, it's really what gets us up in the morning a lot of the time, and it provides money for caring for families, for nice things. And you get some people who are anti-work uh, nowadays, it's quite trendy, but really most of us are wired to work 
in some ways. And actually, this goes back to being made in the image of God. He himself is working as he creates. We saw the search chapter two. He, he worked and then he rested. He's a God who, who works. And then the instructions he gives the man, verse 15, uh, to, he puts them in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This was part of being created. This was before sin came into the world, before what we call the fall, which we'll see in a couple of weeks. Uh, and it kind of ruins everything. But the way things are supposed to be is that we're supposed to work, to have this dominion. And even as, as Adam does, he works by, by naming everything. In other words, work is a part of who we are as human beings. Um, it's, it, it's one of, it means that our, our work isn't meaningless, that it's not pointless, that no matter what we do, it, it has a purpose. It's part of what God wants us to do here. It's not the thing, let's be careful, that gives us true meaning. It's not the thing that we can build our whole lives around. And yet, at the same time, it's not unimportant. It is a good thing. It is something that we're supposed to do and even to enjoy. Uh, before there was sin, there was still work and it was good and it was enjoyable and it was meaningful. It's what we're created to do. And it's not just a career, uh, you know, your classic job or whatever. It, it, it can be working in the home to volunteering to, to the office, wherever it is, it's doing these works for good. And yet it's worth saying at this point, God also made us to rest. And that's an important balance to, to work. Um, God himself rests from his work on the seventh day. It's not that God, I suppose, needed to rest, but that is the pattern of creation, that we take our rest, um, that we're not just made to work, that work is not the ultimate, that there is this built into creation, this idea that, no, we need rest, that we are human, we're not God, and we can't do everything, and we need to rest. So many people actually live for work, and rest actually becomes an inconvenience. And it's so much harder today, isn't it? Because there's email access on our phones and there's Zoom to take these things. And it, it, it's hard to rest. And yet uh, part of the good news of the Bible is we should rest. It's good to rest. It's right to rest as God does. And actually rest is the promise of the Bible. In Matthew 11, Jesus promises rest to those who come to him, those who are weary and burdened by their sin, by everything. And throughout the New Testament, there's this promise of, of rest. And, and what it's talking about is, is salvation, that when we're in heaven, when we're there forever, it will be eternal rest as well. That uh, with, with God, we find rest for, for our souls, for, for everything, that we will not face the same drudgery, the same exhaustion, the same fatigue that we do here, but that we will have rest in, in every single way, complete rest and content doesn't mean inactivity, but we will have rest. Our souls will be completely healed. Our bodies physically will be completely healed. That is the what we see at the beginning of creation. That is the promise that we have for the future. We are made to work and we are made to rest. The third thing, though, is we are to be fruitful and multiply. Again, we don't have time to go into it too much, but we live in a world where uh, there's the claim that the children are actually an inconvenience, that they are perhaps secondary to, to other things. The Bible doesn't create these dichotomies. It says work is good. Children are a blessing. Psalm 127 verse 3, children are a blessing from the Lord. Work is good. Family is good. The way God created things was for people to multiply. These are good things. 
Uh, it's worth saying maybe those who, who, who can't have families doesn't mean that they're less loved by God or, or not blessed. It's a matter of the heart and not the result. But it's the way God has created things is for, for humanity to grow, for us to, to live as, as families. Again, there, there, there's a whole, a whole sermon there. But the, the point is family is a good thing. This is the way God has created it. Fourth of all, there's stewardship. There's caring for this world. We talked about dominion, and that's a very negative word. And actually, people have looked at the Bible, non-Christians, and thought, ah, the reason the world's so bad is because Christians have taken this word dominion and they just ruin the world. They just take everything and ruin it. And it may sound like we can do as we please with the world, but the opposite is true. Far from being a call to use the world simply how we please, it's a call to, to, as we said, rule the world as image bearers of God. It's the call to to look after this world in the same way that God does, to love his creation in the same way that he does. To to love others, to love people, to um, to love every part of creation from the fields to the trees to the animals, to love them. It's not that we all have to be vegetarians. Don't misunderstand me. God has created these things uh, for, for, for different purposes. But it's, it's seeing that all creation is good. And actually that God loves this world and is making it uh, and will, 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 will recreate it. In fact, uh, Colossians 1, we read it last week and it talks about Jesus. And what it also says is that he's reconciling to himself us, but also everything in all creation uh, as people made in the image of God, part of our mission from the start has been to care for and to enjoy the world that God has given. We're specifically not to abuse it, but to care for it. Again, Psalm 8 sings of this, doesn't it? Read, read it again. We're in charge of all the works that he has created, verse 6 says. We, we have that. Um, a guy called Francis Schaeffer says it's, it's remembering that nature is not ours. It belongs to God. He has placed us here to care for it. Yes, the fall of, of man into sin, as we'll see in a couple of weeks, has, has made the world a broken place, a damaged place, a place that, that does need recreated. But I don't think that changes the fact that God placed humanity to care for this world, to have dominion over it, to, to love it as he loves it. This is an important part of being made in God's image. It's remembering that we are part of creation. Yes, we are a little lower than the angels. We are humans. We are more. But we're still part of creation. We can have that relationship with God, but we still have a relationship with the world around us. We are of a high position, a high responsibility. Uh, as Schaefer again says, what God has made, I, who am also a creature, must not despise. God values the creation so much that he sent his son to live in creation. He made his son a man, born of a woman, born in flesh. He showed his love for creation so much that his son laid in the earth and was resurrected physically. That, that matter is not bad, but that is made in the image of God that this world is good. And as we have dominion, as we rule over this world, as we're fruitful and multiply, as we work we do it in a way that loves God's world as he loves it. Um, An important sort of balance as well is it's humanity, obviously, being made in the image of God. We care for humanity first, but the whole creation, we are part of that creation. 
we're getting there. Our relationship with each other as well. I hope you're just seeing just how, how much being made in the image of God just affects everything about our life, about who we are and what we do. It affects our relationships with each other. We are made for a relationship with each other. In fact, we need each other. A young man in love will say that he can't live without his beloved. And he probably means it. And we really can't live without each other, not just in marriage, but in general. Millions are searching for love, searching for relationship every single day. It is built into us. And again, the story the Bible presents is because we're made in the image of God. God said, let us make man in our image. Maybe you notice that, let us. Isn't God one? Yes. But there's, we call it the Trinity. There's three persons and one God. And we won't go too much into it, but you know, God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what that means, most importantly, is that God is intrinsically love and loving because there's three, they, they are in a relationship of, of love. He's not one distant entity. He is the God who is love. And so when he says, let us make man in our images, he's creating man and he's creating someone capable of love. And we reflect that. God looks at Adam, as we read, and, and he sees the only man there alone in the Garden of Eden. And, and even though everything he created was good, there was one thing that was not good. Did you notice? It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good. So he makes a helper fit for him, Eve, the woman. And she's described as a helper. And many have seen this as demeaning. And unfortunately, some have used this to, to relegate women to the, to the menial tasks uh, of the home and, and world. That is not what being made in the image of God means. The Bible has more to say about this. Again, it's not for today. But you know, the word helper is the word most frequently used of God. When that word helper is used, it's often used talking about the help that God himself gives. This isn't some menial thing. This is an essential component of life, this, this, this help. And what we're being told is, is broadly, including marriage, but broadly, is that we cannot live without human relationships. We cannot live without each other. This is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. Of course, marriage is a big one, but not everyone gets married. But being made in the image of God means that we need that connection. We need to, to cultivate that, to enjoy it, whether it's family or friends, people in church, people out in our work and uh, in our streets. We need these and we need to make sure we're doing them in a way that, that honours the image of God, as we said, that values every human life, that looks for the good of others. And it's not just in, in close relationships, actually, because as we said, every single person that we meet is made in the image of God. They are worthy of our respect, our time and our love. Sin, of course, means we do wrong, others do wrong. And it's not that we gloss over that. It's not that justice isn't needed in some cases. It's not that change isn't needed for all of us. But we don't reject others. We don't look down on others. We don't uh, look at the poor as just deserving what they get. We don't uh, just ignore communities that, that we maybe disagree with, people on the other side of politics. No, we treat people as made in the image of God. Even if we disagree with them, even if we believe different things, we treat them as made in the image of God. It affects all 
our relationships. And it's not compromising on truth, of course, and it never should be. But it's starting from that baseline that every single person is made in the image of God. Just as Jesus came for sinners, he said he came for the sick, not for the righteous. And we live that out as individuals and as a church as well. Because they're made in the image of God, just as we are, and just as we are sinners, so uh, we were only saved by God, and we cannot look down on others, see them as made in the image of God. As a church, we need to be a place always where that is lived out, that love for each other, that unity, that care, that concern, that respect for each other, always. But finally, uh, there is our relationship with God. Uh, and again, perhaps this is the, the most important, is the most important. Being made in the image of God means that our relationship isn't just with others, but is with God himself. God is the one active in all of this, the one who is there, who gives humankind all these things to, who creates us in this way. The fact God is creator is enough in itself for us to know we need a relationship with him. He knows us. He loves us. And to live a life without reference to him, without relationship, would be doing the opposite of what we've been created for. He is the, the, the missing piece. In, in chapter 3, we'll probably see it in a couple of weeks, God is described as walking in the Garden of Eden. And you see there's that picture of, of intimacy, of closeness, of, of, of a, a real relationship. What it tells us, we are deeply loved by God. And we ought to love him as we have been loved. He said, let us make man in our image. He created us in love. And being made in the image of God is, is then an opportunity for us to see the good news, to see the gospel. We've not seen sin in the world yet in our story so far. It's not come yet, but it will very soon. But even at this point, we can see how much God loves people and this world, because what we see is we're created to be with God, to be one of his people. That's why we, we mentioned Colossians 1, and there's plenty of other passages. The, the New Testament especially speaks so much of reconciliation, the love of God, the fact that Jesus came to earth, came to his own, people who rejected him and died for them, so that we could be reconciled to him, so that we could have that relationship that we were supposed to have from the start. This is the gospel. This is, this is us seeing what things were supposed to be like, and seeing what Jesus has done to restore these things. Colossians 1 again, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's everything we should be but aren't. He's everything Adam should have been but wasn't. He came to reconcile, making peace by the blood of his cross. Whether you know it or not, you have a relationship with God. It could be a very dysfunctional, broken, damaged one where you have hated God and rejected him, as we have all done at some point in our lives. But God offers a relationship of closeness, of love, of care. And Jesus has come in the flesh so that we can be reconciled to him, so that we can be restored, so that one day we might be in the new earth where everything is perfect. This is the promise that the original creation points us to. It's the hope that we have as Christians, those of us who believe. We are going to see in a couple of weeks the relationship has been broken with God, with creation, with each other. Everything is wrong now, but God has worked to reconcile, to make things new. And that's where the story keeps going to. But for now, just see that, that God has loved you. He does love you. He has made you. He knows you. He knows each one of us. 
This is how things are supposed to be, what we've seen these last two weeks, how things are supposed to be. And it does make sense of who we are and the world around us. But there's one more thing to see at creation, that is how creation fell and why things are the way that they are. We need to keep going in the story, but please see, regardless, that God has worked, that he loves the people he made in his image, and he will restore, welcome all who come to him, asking for forgiveness, asking to be made new. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10.15 as we meet at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. Find out more on our website, hopehelensburgh.org.